0: Hello and welcome to the latest from Hearts Standard. My name is Joel Sked. I am joined by my colleague James Kearney and we are here to discuss Hearts Midlovian's Premiership encounter with St Mirren which takes place at Tynecastle Park tomorrow. The team's third and fourth in the Premiership respectively. Hearts come into it off the back of the 2-0 win over Celtic. Now, I've kind of titled this why this St Mirren Clash takes on extra significance for Hearts. I suppose no matter what the result against Celtic last week, there's probably going to be a lot of significance to this match because everyone expected Hearts to kind of be coming into this, having lost three on the bounce and sitting six. But Hearts are back into third place now. The reason like extra significance is, we, we probably talked about it on Monday or Saturday, was the fact that, You've just beaten Celtic for the first time since two thousand and seven in the league. Don't go and drop points (laughs) at home at St. Winning on Saturday. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, obviously right now
1: Hibs are still kind of clicking into gear. Aberdeen haven't really entirely convinced or got going yet. Right now, over this part of the season so far, St. Martin have been the most likely challengers to 3rd You know, they've been the they've been the most likely the team looks most likely to probably push hearts at the moment and yeah okay you might go look at their squad and go maybe it's not sustainable over the course of the full season but certainly right now they're you know they're there where they are on merit they've got to be taken seriously and you know as a reverse fixture uh, out at st marion park showed earlier in the season you know they can cause a hell of a lot of problems for hearts you know so i think it's definitely one that naismith and his players won't be taken lightly and like you say it's it's not quite six pointer because it's not quite that stage of the season yet, but when you've got teams who are in you know, several sort of positions playing against each other, these are the ones that can have a really big effect because, you know, if, if arts can get three points, you know, open up that little, bit, that little bit of a cushion between themselves and St Marin, that could go a really long way. I think um, just in terms of just like kind of building morale, lifting spirits, keeping that feel good factor, then that momentum going, which is obviously going to be the biggest challenge um, from the weekend just there. But, I mean, having said that at the same time, Supermaren haven't been in great shakes recently either. I mean, I think it's something like um, in uh, I think it's five of their last seven games they've not scored at all. Um, And then that's in the league, obviously. So, you know, they're not... I I don't think they're quite as good as they were earlier on in the season. I don't think they're quite as consistent as they were. But we know exactly what you're going to get when you face a team like them. You know, it's going to be a tough physical battle. It's going to be a lot of um, kind of Loose balls in midfield, flinging around. They're going to sit back. They're going to defend well. They're going to press cleverly. Um, I don't know Nate Smith alluded to it. Um, maybe his press conference, or maybe earlier in the week. But you know, Saint are a really good press side. Like definitely, you know, think back at that game in Paisley, that uh, that was one of the big things that really stood out from that match. the fact that Saint Maryn were really good at pressing, and the horses could not play out from it whatsoever. So again, it'll be a really different type of game. Uh, it's a, obviously the game against Celtic there'll be a bit of a role reversal where you'd imagine Hearts will have lots of the ball they'll be getting forward they'll be trying to push the envelope and seize the initiative St Mary's will be defending deep looking to pick Hearts off on the counter um, and also it's just another opportunity as well for Stephen Naismith and his coaching staff to show that they've learned from the mistakes earlier in the season that did lead to that defeat because yeah that match finished 1-0 but I'm sure I've said it before but you know there was, St Mary's had three disallowed goals in that game so you know another day that could be anything um, so yeah, the hearts were definitely second best that day, and I think that matches like these are a really good kind of yardstick to measure a team's progress by because it can show that okay, earlier in the season, X, Y, and Z wasn't working, but okay, here we are two or three months down the line, and we can see actually, you know, because the defence is playing better, you know, the team are creating more chances, they are scoring goals because I mean, that was right in the middle of Lawrence Shanklin's eight game goal goals streak, you yeah. know, obviously. If Shanklin's not scoring in this Hearts team, that becomes a bit of a problem. So hopefully he can uh, keep, keep maintain his form and find the back of the net again. Come Saturday,
0: yeah, I think that I think that's the big one. You you alluded or touched on it. There was the the different challenges Hearts are going to face tomorrow in that the game at Celtic, where it kind of it just suited the set up. Especially getting those early goals, which we've mm. actually talked about this season, where probably Hearts have not done themselves any favors by not kind of scoring early and then that forcing opposition to come out. But it's a completely different challenge tomorrow. In that it would be like you said role reversal. Saint Mirren will be uh, will be compact, and as you said, it was, was nice when I spoke to Nasif during the week. He compared. He said Saint Mirren's press was the second best in the league. Uh, Behind, behind celtic so i think that'll kind of come into uh come into his mind whereas i think he'll be wary of not going all all out attack but just being wary of the the, the threat that they pose when they do when they do win in areas and especially against a team like a team like hearts who will commit bodies forward however saying that like you said i think it was i think it's five so one, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, yeah, so it was five of the last seven. They've not scored. They've lost their last. Um, they've lost their last five games on the road as well. They've not won away from home since. Wait till I find it. Since beating Hibs, I think on the opening day of the season. Uh, that okay. may oh, no, no, sorry, Motherwell. They beat Motherwell in September uh, on on the road. So they've not won. Away outside of Paisley since uh, um, since the middle of September, so you do look at it and think, right, this is uh, this is a submitting team who obviously obviously have their qualities, but they're not the same team they were at the start of the season. That that's, that's been mad, you, and that they've I don't think they've got as good a squad as last season, and I think there was just some nice momentum going in the start of the season, but they've it's they kind of regressed uh, regressed towards the mean.
1: No, I think that's probably true. I think they have to leave off as time's gone on. I think that, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, you know, the form book will show you that. Like you say, they're struggling to score goals now. They can't get. They can't buy a win away from home. These are obviously not good situations to be in if you're a St Marin fan. But I mean, overall, the fact, you know, obviously they're still doing a good job. I mean, the fact that they're pushing for third at this stage of the season is impressive on its own. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, yeah. you know, again, it's just they've got that thing where on their day, they can just make life really difficult for you. They kind of drag you down to playing football their their way, their level, and that can that, that again, it, it, it's it's really difficult to play against. You know, it's that kind of those physical battling qualities when they get in your face. To get they work hard, they get they get far at the park. So I think you know being composed on the ball, and again something that <laughs> always gets talked about, but being brave on the ball as well. We need to see that in and out of possession. I mean. You know, but obviously, earlier in the week we touched on, uh, the, you know, likes of Beningame or Atkinson, and what how they were quite forward thinking at Parkhead, and how that helps get get hearts mm-hmm. uh, the win there. And I think we're going to need to see the same sort of thing again. I think there's going to, there's going to have to be risks taken on possession. There's going to have to be uh, an urgency at times to get things forward. And then when breaks are on, yeah, you know, the likes of Shankland and whoever else is up top with them, whether it's Fargas or whether it's Tagawa or Forrest, they're going to need more support, particularly from out wide as well. So I think that, um, yeah, I think there will be, again, there's definitely going to need to be more kind of bravery in the ball and things that that we've seen so far. We need to see men committing forward, men taking, not just always taking the safe option. Because I think if you do that, I think, you know, thinking back to the last game against the man, you know, that, that really costs hearts, particularly when they're trying to build out, they just couldn't do it. Because mm-hmm. they, were, they were too cautious in possession, they were always checking the easy pass, they weren't trying to basically beat the press at any point. Whereas I think with St. Marion, if you can beat that press, if you can get beyond that man, that first man, the whole pitch can just open up for you. So, um, yeah, it's weird because in some ways, I think it'll be, a, 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 particularly in possession, it could be like a completely different game for Hearts. But then there are certain aspects of where you go, ah, Joel, that's not a million miles away from. Actually, what's required a parkhead either. You know, yeah. even, it's like similar little tactical things that, even though, yes, Hearts will dominate the ball, St Martin will sit back, but there were certain elements that aren't a million miles away. So, like, like you touched on, like, like with Lace Smith saying that St Mirren's pressing is excellent, and it's not. You know, I mean, it's obviously a different shape, different structure, but same similar sort of ideas. So, I, I think that that'll be really important because, again, thinking back to that last game, that seemed to be the real problem was that Hearts couldn't really get in behind. They ended up forcing long balls forward, and then, at which point you know, St Mirren have got their monster centre-halves to just, like, absolutely hoof it away, so that'll that that that'll be the, the big thing, and then obviously, as well, as making sure Shanklin keeps getting that service, that to be fair, in recent weeks, he has been getting more and more opportunities.
0: And, yeah, just Craig, Craig ranking on Facebook makes a good point, we need to be moving the ball forward a lot quicker, quicker throws yeah. of few kicks are also essentially a really good point, in that not allowing St Mirren to settle, we've, we've talked about the, the bravery on the ball, and how they've been working on that, and was kind of talked about how they've been working on that and training, and that's that that's very true. But it, it's it's all well playing forward passes, but it's you, if you're playing forward passes when St Mirren are already set, it's still very difficult to uh, to penetrate that. So uh, I think it's a really good point with Craig that the fact that. Hearts, they need to be a, a, a lot more zipped to the play. And when the ball does go out for a phone or free kick, try and do it quickly. Don't allow St. Mirren to settle, because that's that's one thing they want to do. They want to settle into their shape, and that's mm-hmm. when they know when uh, when to press and when to uh, when to stay in their shape and when to be compact and when to squeeze it. So that that's vital. Looking we we kind of talked around how the game was likely going to look. Let's talk about the starting eleven. So we know that. George Grant is going to be out, likely yep. going to miss the derby as well, which is a shame because he had a really good performance against Celtic. Cammie Devlin uh still out injured. So there's a uh, midfield issue. Liam Boyce is uh, still out injured. Stephen Kingsley and uh, Nathaniel Atkinson look like they will um, be fine following the both being taken off at uh, Celtic Park. And Alex Lowry comes back into consideration as well. Not sure sure about Carl Neuenhoff, what his uh, situation is, but you'd imagine, if you look at the midfield at the moment, Aidan Denham will keep his place after his performance against Celtic. You've got Benny who's sitting uh, there as a number six. Probably the big choice is between Alex Lowry and Barry McKay as Mm. that. Attacking uh, creative outlet within the midfield three. I'm guessing Nasos probably will stick with the, uh, the midfield three. You have in our predicted lineups, you went for Alex Lowry, I went for uh, for Barry Mackay. Talk to me about Lowry. Why do you think he might get the nod after missing the game against Celtic due to a back injury?
1: Well, I guess that's the big thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, I'm not a doctor, I don't know how far along <laughs> his recovery is, you know. I, I, you know um, so it might well turn out that actually he's not fit enough to play the. To start or to play the full 90 or whatever it might be but i just think that um you know we've seen it consistently throughout the season he does give you that really creative presence on the ball and um, particularly when he's given that that kind of space to operate and and i remember last time particularly in st mary the the Hearts' attack was really quite lopsided there was a lot I know there was a lot made of the fact that there wasn't really a right winger but a lot of the attacks still went up the right anyway mm. um and then I was just thinking back to, I can't remember what game it was, and it was one of the games recently, though, when, again, it was kind of some idea when the Hearts were attacking quite heavily up the right. It might have been at Motherwell. And then Lowry was just given so much space in midfield and he was really, really able to make his like presence felt, really get on the ball and really start making things happen. So I'm thinking against a team like St Mirren, where you know those little pockets of space are going to be hard to combine. When, when they do pop up, you need someone to take advantage. I think we've seen that consistently from Lowry this season. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't. Um, I hadn't really considered Barry Mackay until.
0: Despite, despite writing an article about him playing in that position. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah, yeah. That was only, what, a week or two ago? Yeah I, wrote, yeah, I wrote an article of it. Oh, this is why it should happen. Um, and then when I saw that you'd put it, I was delighted because I thought, oh, that would do great, actually. I would quite like to see that. So um, we, have, we shall see. We shall see. I, again, I think Barry Mackay is really well suited to it as well. Again, yeah. it's something I would like to see at some point. Um. I guess the one thing would be that it's quite a important game, it's quite a big game to be mm-hmm. experimenting tactically in, you know, been like, Oh you know, this guy's a winger. Like, oh, I'm pretty sure he could do like center mid, let's give him a go. It's like <laughs> up against oh. St. Mervyn's midfield, you know, like you know, again, you know, guys like Golgage and stuff like that, you know, big big lumps, big guys are gonna work you hard. I'm not convinced that um you know, I think it can, it can go one of two ways. I think for the likes of Mackay or even Lowry, you know, I think they're both, it's, like, it's going to be one of those games where they're either great and they, they really start, you know, kind of uh, setting tempo, finding passes, stitching things together. Or it's going to be one of those games where they can just get, like, just completely run over the top of and they don't have much of an impact at all. I don't, I don't know if there's much middle ground, to be honest. I think, like, I think whoever plays in that number 10 will think they're ever going to have a great game or not really do much at all. Um, hopefully, Hopefully it's the former.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I, the reason I've went for Mackay, partly like he came off, came off the bench in that position against against Celtic, yeah. and I'm just looking at his his experience in a, in a game like that. I spoke to when I spoke to Naismith in the week. I asked him about Barry Mackay coming into it. So I, I, I'll pop a piece up either tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, just a small one uh, on what he kind of said, but he basically he said that he's a really intelligent player, brilliant footballer. and It's about asking uh, about asking to do asking him to do things he is definitely capable of, but give him the understanding of why we are doing it and what we need from him and what we need from uh, from him without the ball and when we win the ball back. So. He says that a team of Barry McKay and it is is a good team. So he did reference last season when he played in a midfield three with Robert Snodgrass and Garen Cool against Rangers, and he called he, he called it he called the midfield the sieve as he gave up uh, uh, an abundance of abundance of chances. So I think he's he's seen that, but it's it's one of those things where that they'll have worked on it a lot in training. I think a big thing is that the movements that they work on in training and knowing when when to press, when to, when to sit in shape. I think that's a really big thing for Naismith is is that understanding as as a collective because he wants his his players to work, work in working within the group and when the team want to go and press they press together. When they don't then they sit in sit in their shape. And I think it's it's probably how much Barry Mackay has kind of got that or understood it from his time coming back and within training. So, I mean, you bring him on against Celtic in the position, so I think there's there's there's, there's a degree of trust there. So mm-hmm. that's why I've gone kind of gone for Barry McKay. I imagine, I think we've both kind of predicted the rest of the squad will, rest of the team will look very, very uh, familiar. There's a big, uh, the next, the other position we've kind of Debated is who's going to join Lauren Shanklin attack. Alan Forrest did well at Celtic Park last season, but last season, last week. But now we um we've both gone for Ken of Vargas. What was your thinking behind that, James? uh I, I guess
1: it's because I think that obviously Forrest was partnered with Shanklin at Parkhead, just because uh he gives you that option. He's got the pace that he can kind of drive in behind, you know running behind them um, cause of bit of disruption and that we link up with Shankland so obviously they know each other very well mm-hmm. um, and I just don't see um, that being a similar sort of strategy that can be employed against St Mirren because that's basing behind this doesn't it's, it's not there it doesn't exist you're not going to get it um, so because that, I think you probably want someone who's a bit safer in possession who's a bit, um, who's able to keep a hold of the ball when you are breaking forward I think Vargas has been pretty good at that in a perfect world, in an ideal world, I actually think Liam Boyce would be perfect for this one. I think, mm. um, I think the Boyce and Shanklin working uh, playing together, I think it's worked really well against like deep defenses because they are those two kind of players that can keep get the ball, keep a hold of it, not worrying about particularly trying to attack it. Um, you know, lightning counterattacks and pick out through balls. It's more about just you know, get get, the, get get on the ball, hold off the defender, allow the team to get forward, get out the park, gain, gain yards. So. I would have liked, in an ideal world, it would be great. I think Boyce would be a perfect fit. Obviously, he's not going to be fit though. Um, at which point, you're, you're kind of left with a choice of, as I say, Forrest Vargas or Tagawa. Really, those are your, those are your three. I don't think Forrest is particularly well suited to this one, and Tagawa. I just think that, to be honest, I think the last couple of games he's played, he's not made much of an impact, and he's certainly not been able to keep a hold of the ball. And I think again, that's as pro- I again, I think of like the game at Petardry, for instance, where. I think pretty much every time you've passed the ball, he, he, might, he, he lost it one way or the other. So I just think that in a game like this, you need to be a bit more careful with the with possession in the final third. Um, and I think that while Vargas, I, I don't know if he's exactly that kind of player, but I think out of those three options, I think he's probably the best. I mean, the other option as well would actually be Yuzhara Oda, who, again, mm-hmm. could conceivably do that position. But um as i'm sure i've said this before but i'm not entirely convinced he's actually like on paper he can he can he could be that other player to play off playoff shankland but i think in practice it's never really quite came off yet but who knows maybe 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 saturday's going to be the day
0: There's there's a, there's there's an alternative uh, option in that you could play Barry McKay and Alex Lowry behind Shanklin, but then that's alterate, uh, alternating the uh, also it's um, changing the dynamic of the midfield and the settlement mm, field and it's like, probably too big a risk to do that.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, quite a lightweight midfield, you know. Yeah. I think I, 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 potentially against a team like Saint Marin, I'd worry that the midfielders run over the top of them. I don't think Hearts would. Yeah, you know, I think that'd be quite. It'd be a bold. It'd be a bold goal, I think.
0: So before we move on, James, what's your prediction for tomorrow? Unless you've, unless there's anything I've missed out that's worthy of discussion, but I don't think there is.
1: Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. And um, I think I think we'll go for a. I think it'll be a 2-0 win for Hearts. I think it'll be uh, three points, clean sheet up the road.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go gonna gas um a very tense one 0 win for hearts, so we'll see. But that, the, nah, these, the usual uh, the usual then. Yeah, yeah, the usual. These um these predictions could change by the time we see the team lineup at one forty five tomorrow. Before we kind of go, i wanted to touch on a couple of other things. It was announced today that's the Edinburgh Derby, which takes place on the twenty seventh of December at Easter Road will have some Sky Sports innovations and I'm just going to get the email I got sent earlier on. So basically Sky Sports will implement a series of innovations for the broadcast of the SPFL fixture Hibs v Hearts bringing fans closer to one of the fiercest rivalries in the SPFL. Now the fans are talking about will be the fans who are watching it from TV uh, it's, it's it's through the through the broadcast and that includes uh, Hibs boss Nick Montgomery will wear a microphone during the match, enabling fans watching at home to hear the specific coaching and tactics from the sideline. Meanwhile, a member of the Hibs coaching staff will wear a body cam to give a first person's perspective of the team on the pitch from the dugout. Hearts will uh, they will take they'll do their part of this as well. And I've got what Hearts are going to do. Hearts will Sky will have access to their pre match meal. A player wearing a camera during the warm-up, and there'll be potentially on-pitch interviews before, after, and at half time. I, I think it was in the broadcast, uh, the, the, the broadcast presser today, where Nasmyth uh, explained why he won't be doing it. Mm. Um, I'm not sure uh, the words he used but it, but he certainly was um, uh, speaking to him in the uh, in the written press, uh, the written press. Um, section of the kind of media conference he was not keen on it for for him he, he chose not not to do it what do you make of it james
1: honestly i think it sounds quite interesting mm. um i think uh, maybe it's just a novelty maybe it's one of these things they do it once and it doesn't work or whatever but certainly i'm i'm, I'm curious it's just you know, things like uh, I'm, i'd like to hear the sort of things that managers are shouting at players during matches that stuff interests me um <clears throat> the first person cameras and stuff, like, oh, yeah, I guess that's quite cool. It's a different perspective, I suppose. I'm not that fussed for the warm-up or the pre-match meal, to be honest. Not too fussed for that. Um, and certainly, if I was Stephen A. Smith, I could understand why I might be a bit reluctant to put a microphone on. because, Just because, you know, obviously that that's something that they've not been used to their entire lives. And it'd be quite it's a very high-profile game to have someone then be recording absolutely everything you say. In an atmosphere where you might not be able to control everything that you say, <laughs> you might get a bit worked up, you might get a bit annoyed at things, and you might not want that broadcast to the nation. So um, I can I can certainly understand that, but so, yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's certainly an interesting uh, initiative, and it'll be interesting to see if it works and if it's worthwhile and what people think of it. But uh, I suppose maybe I'm just a bit of a, a voyeur. I just love all that stuff. <laughs> I, I remember like um, being at matches. Like during the COVID season, for instance, and yeah, at that point you can sort of hear players shouting at each other. If you're at one of the smaller grounds, if like there's a championship game or something, like that. you know, you mm-hmm. can hear the players shouting at each other. You can hear the manager, the coaches, all shouting at players and all that kind of stuff. And I found that really interesting. I did uh, just because I'm, I'm just curious about that kind of stuff. Um,
0: That's what like where we where we sat at the Hearts games for the press box is great because I mean there's. The the press box of Hearts has has its faults, um, and that when it rains you get soaked. But uh, well, poor us. um, But on the flip side, the really good thing about it is you're so close to the dugouts, so you can from time to time you can actually hear what's been said, and you're you're up close and uh, up close and personal. Because even if you can't hear what's been said, you can get a clear view on how managers are. Feeling visually with uh, mm. with with, with their, their their gestures and their body language and stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm like I'm quite interested in that side of the thing. I mean, so for me, I suppose um, the for me, I'm guess it it'd be interesting to see how it's done, how Sky mm. like what Sky and Hibbs have kind of decided, and because I can't imagine what Nick Montgomery's stuff is going to be shared live. I'm guessing there'll be a delay in it, just because again, it's it's football. Um, there's, there's 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 every chance there could be some some choice language, and whether Nick Montgomery will want everything he's saying to his players uh, broadcast to the nation. So that that's something I'm, I'm I'm curious about. But yeah, it'll be be interesting to see see what it's like. The body cam footage is not for me. I've seen because uh, Hibbs, I think Hibbs have done it uh, in house mm-hmm. in house before by getting one of their Coaching staff to do it, and I seen there was an English game. I don't know if it was a friendly or when it was. They put a a um, body cam on on a player, and it just looked, it, it just, it, it was like it made me seasick. If anything, it was just like oh, it just was quite. Yeah, amazing.
1: I saw that as well. I remember and You kind of you, sometimes you're watching a game, like, oh yeah, I could do that. I could, I could, I could play. And you watch that video, and you're like. Oh wow, yeah, they really have no time at all to yeah anything. <laughs> you wouldn't last two <laughs> seconds out there.
0: <laughs> that's that. That's I think. I think uh, like um, like I said in terms of the warm up, not overly overly fussed, but like seeing how a how a player operates in a game. Well, it's I think it's um, like watching it. It's it's, a, it's it's weird, but it would be yeah yeah fascinating to just to see how much like you said, spacey. Because there's there's times when you're sitting high up in the uh, high up in the stand, you're thinking. Ah, that looks easy. They just get they've got the ball, they get loads of space, but obviously it's it's not that easy. I mean, the a big thing will be if fingers crossed, uh, hearts are winning comfortably, and then how <laughs> Nick Montgomery's reacted and how, how it's how it's portrayed then. So yeah, I mean it's Yeah, I, I, but one of the things as well
1: that I do wonder about is because this is like the first time it's happening in Scotland and you know it's a bit of a trial thing. I don't know how representative it will be, just because if you know, if you were going about your day at work, and then one day your boss came to you and said, "Oh, by the way, we're, we're, you're going to be wearing a mic all day," your behaviour would change. You know, you're going to say and yeah. act in that same way you would previously. So again, I think that you know it might not be how Nick Montgomery always acts during matches because we don't know. Um, so I, I that's maybe the other thing about it as well. It's like you know, maybe it's like that. Um, it's like a of Schrodinger's cat thing where you know just by observing it you change it
0: yeah yeah i mean if if, uh, they um put a mic on me for my days uh, day of work it would be very boring it would just be me procrastinating for uh, uh for eight hours um let's move on to before we finish the asian cup squad was announced for australia it means uh, with Kairos and Nathaniel Atkinson, they'll both be away for a period of time. James, you wrote an article this morning on it. I believe there's going to be as many as six games he could potentially miss.
1: It could be, yeah. If, um, <clears throat> if Australia were to reach the final, then mm-hmm. yeah, it would be six matches. It would be four league games and two, two cup matches as well, provided that Hearts make it through past Spartans, of course. That's not get carried away. That's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> So yeah, so the, the the group stages take place. Um, that's when the Spartans cup tie and the following two league games after that, which I believe is Aberdeen away off the top of my head and
0: the Aberdeen at home.
1: Aberdeen at home. Sorry, yeah, sorry, so Aberdeen at home and, and Dundee at home. Team. Yeah, because they, they played Dundee twice. That's right. Yeah. So um, yeah, th- those games, those the group stages are on there Sort of, they'll both definitely miss all those three matches. Then you look into it's basically just. For every round that the that Australia remain in the competition in advance that's basically another game that uh, the hearts players will miss so I believe that uh, I mean I'm not right I don't know much about Asian football I couldn't tell you who's going to win the Asian Cup or anything like that I know that generally Australia tend to be there or thereabouts because they're one of the bigger countries where, you know developed and um, kind of football culture and all that kind of stuff you'd expect them to do quite well and I know that uh, Tom Irving you know, at Irving Analysis on Twitter friend of the show he was pointing out that he he had a look uh his, you know, he's definitely got his finger in the pulse a lot more with this kind of stuff than we do, and he was saying he had a look at the the pots, the groups, the kind of likely run, and he reckoned that, he he thought it'd be a surprise if they were eliminated before the semis, so I think that it's a, yeah, I, I think we have to kind of brace ourselves for that's going to be a yeah, five, probably six matches that they're going to be missing, which is a blow. Um, yep. Obviously, you know, they're both great players. Have both been playing really well. They're, you know, that's why they've made it into the, the Australia squad. Um, and it probably does put a little bit more pressure on. I think the recruitment team to bring in someone else who can do that right wing back role, um, especially with Odell uh, uh, um seemingly back to Brighton and staying there now. Mm-hmm. So I think you know cause it's, it's going to be a long time without Atkinson in, in the team. I think we've we've seen that in recent weeks that actually that's quite a that's quite a difficult position to fill when he's not fit. I'm not as worried about roles. I think he's. <clears throat> I think particularly last like kind of month or so he's actually been really good. He's been brilliant. But I suppose with Halkett coming back in, um, obviously you could move Kingsley over to the left hand yeah. side. You know, it, you know, there there are options there. Whereas at like right wing back there's maybe not quite as many. So yes,
0: yeah. We, I think I agree with you. There's Kai Rose been excellent, but. You've Got a natural placement in Stephen Kingsley on the left hand side as providing everyone stays fit. Mm. The right back that's an area of TARS have been very, very clear about that it's a priority and it speeds up the um, the speed, maybe not the urgency, but the need to bring in a, an option early on. The good thing is with the winter break, you do have a couple of weeks to get that sorted, but I I would imagine parts of narrow down their and narrow down their options and will be well have had kind of conversations uh, around that. So yeah, that would be I think that will be a key addition. But yeah, both of them will be um, yeah will be missed. And like you, I would imagine Australia will get quite deep into the tournament unless there is a massive massive shock. We will leave it there. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you very much, James. I would point you towards. The website, heartstandard.co.uk, we have got lots of preview pieces looking ahead to the St game up there. We have got the um, an injury latest and our predicted lineups so will be uh, content going up from the press conferences tonight. Stephen Naysmith's one tonight, and then Alan Forrest tomorrow. And there was also two um, exclusive interviews with Stephen Naismith. I sat down with him for an hour and a half earlier on this week. There's a big piece looking back at his management, uh, his journey into management, looking from his player coming in, uh, working way through hearts and the doubts he's had, how he's felt so far, uh, kind of what what he's learned, how he's managed with dyslexia. And also there's another piece on the tactical side of things where we talk about the formation, press and set pieces and playing against low defensive blocks. Uh, be sure to check them out, they're quite in depth and there will also be um, a chat there's also a piece from James on the Big Hearts and the work they've done in the Gorgie area this uh, this winter the big winter appeal I would urge anyone to look at that uh, and I see Corbett uh, Corbeto who I believe is uh, Liam Corbett from this is my story asking did we find out why he just not to acknowledge or clap the fans after matches I did not f- I did forget to ask him that but I will ask him at some point so um, I will I uh, will message you when I find out Liam don't worry about that. Until the next time, thank you very much and goodbye and we'll be back before and after the St. Benning game tomorrow.